Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I mean, no one plans to get sick, and yet, here we are. My name is Matthew Zachary. I survived cancer, a stroke, and COVID-19, and somehow I'm still here. I also survived our stupid broken healthcare system, and I want to help you survive it too. So let's go make healthcare suck less together. Because you know what? We're all out of patience. Hey, that's the name of the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Out of Patience. A quick reminder before we get started, if you like the show, I hope you do. How about a review, a like, a rating, some kind of something somewhere? I don't know. On the show today, Michael Buller, the Senior Director of Content and Creative Services at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and the producer of one of my favorite new podcasts, Unraveled. We are both SUNY alumni and we're both cancer survivors. I'm 25 years out. He's 10 years out. We're both media guys that got sucked into the cancer world and love broadcasting and publishing. We have a great conversation about so many different things, but we're really leaning into this amazing podcast, Unraveled. I highly recommend everyone have a listen to it. The Unraveled podcast from Dana Farber. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And all right, let's get started with Michael Buller. Enjoy the show. Michael Buller, welcome to Out of Patience. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, delighted to be here. We have lots in common. Forget the cancer stuff for a second. We're both alumni of SUNY, and I love meeting people who are alumni of SUNY. Yeah, well, just the fact that you call it SUNY is proof that you're an alumni of SUNY. Hell yes. Thank you very much for validating. I went to Binghamton, and they hate it when I say SUNY Binghamton, and it just makes me happy every time. Well, my brother went to Binghamton. I went to Albany because my brother went to Binghamton. And um, he eventually went to Albany for his MBA. Right. So he got a lesson in don't go to Binghamton. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, my son is applying to Binghamton among the gazillion schools that he's applying to for college. Had Wegmans hit Albany yet when you went there? Oh, God, no. 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 Okay. Um, Price Chopper. That was about it. All right. Yeah. We had Price Chopper. But were you at SUNY Albany when Wegmans came, or did you have like this FOMO because it came afterwards? No, no. So I went to Albany in the, in the 80s without the ATMs when you had to like go to a bank and cash a check from home yes. for money. So uh, They'll no, never we were... know how much we suffered. <laughs> had to trudge through the snow two miles uphill both ways. Uphill both ways. Exactly. Exactly. I miss cords. You miss cords? And I'll just throw, throw away a question. <laughs> uh, that I don't miss, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it kind of speaks to the fact that we're on the radio now over the interweb. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's true. It, the more I listen to podcasts, the more I think I'm listening to radio. Well, I mean, honestly, I I have gotten some crap from the the crazy kids because I call it radio. 
Podcasting is basically radio, modern day talk radio on demand. There's still terrestrial radio, AM and FM. But, you know, XM decided that they're going to be terrestrial and digital. And why can't we be the same thing? You know, it's interesting was we get requests from people who say we want a podcast. And my question for them is always, do you want a podcast or do you want an audio file that you want to put on the website? To me, podcast is continuous publishing. It's radio. It's, you know, conversations, community. That's a lot what radio was like. Radio is also very uniquely sensory driven because it's just your ears. And you think about, you know, TV, it was a different way to experience media because you're using lots of senses instead of just one. But radio is always really intimate. And to your point, you know, is it fair to say that most people don't appreciate the level of almost theatrics that has to go into radio versus television? Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And the times that you listen to podcasts, you know, are different. I mean, yes, some of it's in background, but some of it's in that really focused time when you're commuting or you're taking a walk and it's just you and and what you're listening to. I came up as a magazine editor. I mean, I spent years doing magazines and when we were writing the the script, it really struck me as very similar to, to long form narrative. You're creating the story, you're creating an arc, there's some drama to it, there's a natural flow to the story, very similar to print journalism, except then you've got to convert it into the audio format. Right, and it also depends on what type of culture you want your show to have. I had a live internet talk radio show, not a podcast, in Hmm. 2007, 8, 9. It was live. If you missed it, you were screwed. And now everything's like on demand. So another thing we could take for granted is do you want a show that's like this, like car talk, for people to just shoot the shit or do you want a show that is informational or is it, you know, semi-narrative or fully narrative? People that just think, I'm going to start a podcast. There's a mic I'll buy. I'm going to talk into a cloud. Poof, you're a podcaster, right? Right, right. And, you know, like five years ago or so um, when podcasts were getting big and um, the crime uh, Serial and slow burn. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The one that went crazy. So we're like, well, we've got a microphone, we could do a podcast, but they weren't scripted. They were just conversations that I was having with other patients about different things that cancer patients experience. And, you know, spoiler alert, as a cancer patient, I felt like I could be authentic in having these conversations with people. And we would talk about different issues about how you talk to your kids about cancer, how, how you go from treatment to after treatment and, and what that's like. And, you know, we weren't really doing sound engineering. There's more chats, just informal chats with people. I got drafted into the cancer world like you did. I was 25 years ago. And back then, there was only literally magazines and television and old school radio, nothing for people like us. But the point I want to make and get your get your thoughts on is that everything created for cancer patients and media is stuff you never, ever woke up one day and hoped you'd have to listen to. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain sense of, we used to call it anti-expectation in the media, if that jargony term from like the late 90s, like when toilet paper became bathroom tissue, like that's anti-expectation, <laughs> right? But there's a certain level of appreciation that cancer patients have to understand what other cancer patients hate the fact they have to listen to, Right all the time. And, you know, it's the club that you're in that you never wanted to be invited to. And there are things that you just, you you think, you know, other patients are going through, but until you actually go through it, it's impossible. You just don't know what you don't know. I'll give an example that's really recent. I just came back from you, sort of the normal scans um, that I had like yesterday. 
they had PET CT scans, which which were just normal, just to see if there's any progression. Yada yada. If you asked me before that, am I anxious about it? I'm like, no, not really. It's okay. I've I've done these before. I've been doing them for years. But until you get through them and you get the results and you come back, you don't realize what a cloud it has over you for the day. And a day after it, this morning, you wake up, there's a spring in my step. And that is something that's really hard to understand if you haven't been through it. Well, yeah, the running word has always been like scanxiety is, scan-xiety, is, yeah. is active traumatic stress disorder, not post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that. Um, I heard scanxiety, but... No, but, it's, um, it's definitely yeah. active traumatic stress disorder. It's in real time. <laughs> so you had follicular lymphoma, and, and I've always found it interesting that the blood cancer words never have the word cancer in them. And follicular sounds like it's something wrong with your hair because there's like hairy cell leukemia. Like, what are people yes. thinking? It's blood cancer. But congratulations on Thank a you. decade of not having to deal with the UF cancer conversation. Well, there is something wrong with my hair, but that's a separate issue. Separate issue. Um, Me too. So... um yeah, follicular lymphoma, it's one of the, I don't know exactly how many, but 50 somewhat types of non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which still doesn't have the word cancer in. Um, right. It's what they call an indolent lymphoma, slow growing. And it's chronic. I think most people would say non-curative cancer. So it's just one of these things that you just have to keep dealing with on a regular basis. And that's what we've been doing you know, for 10 plus years. And that's progress. You know, I mean, we every now and then I plug this documentary that we produced this year called The Cancer Mavericks, which details the, the, the stories of the people who got the last 50 years to happen after the War on Cancer Act. And the short story is that we kind of all just used to die. <laughs> and that wasn't OK. And, you know, granted, yes, bell curve. Many people still die today from cancer. It's far fewer than it used to be, thankfully, because of advances in medicine and screenings. Isn't that good to look at progress? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, as they say, are dying with cancer, not dying of cancer. Right. And that's that's tremendous progress. I mean, you, you look at, uh, and don't quote me on the numbers, but I mean, you look at something like childhood leukemia and, and ALL, um, which has essentially flipped the curve from the number of kids who used to die from it versus the number of kids who survive it now um, and are cured of it. Um, and that's true in a lot of cancers. There's a lot of cancers that are still intransigent and just cannot be solved. And so there's so much work to be done in ovarian cancer and pancreatic cancer and a, and a long list of cancers. But yeah, I mean, the progress has been amazing. And I go for checkups all the time. And, and the conversations I'm having now about potential treatments are about drugs that weren't even in their conversation five years ago. And the ones that I was having five years weren't in the conversation 10 years ago. And I was on a drug called Rituxan early on and twice. And that wasn't even in the conversation 20 years ago. So we continue to make progress and it's great and uh, just got to keep going. All right, we'll be right back with Michael Buller after the break. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, Mike, we're back, and... I love nerding out over media. Like, I, I don't get to talk to a lot of people who totally, like, understand it. And we can geek out over the whole podcasting is easy, but the business of podcasting is really hard. But I, I want to get into the Unraveled podcast you do for Dana-Farber because I'm a huge fan of Dana-Farber. They had one of the first young adult cancer support groups ever in the early 2000s. But I want to talk about you as a media guy who started a blog back when blogs were blogs and I, I, I was reading it. You're kind of like the George R.R. R. Martin of cancer bloggers because they're like one a year. I, I'm genuinely sorry for the loss of your father. I was reading that article you, you so bravely wrote, but it's Thank called you. thinking out loud. And, you know, you're a media guy. You think out loud in general because you always have creative ideas. Were you inspired to start a blog or were you a writer beforehand or did you like, ah, screw it. I'm yeah. just going to vomit on the internet because I'm pissed. Uh, a little bit of everything, uh, a little bit of all of the above. You know, I spent 20 years in magazines and trade magazines and custom publishing magazines, and I've been a writer and editor for that many years and before I got into communications at Dana-Farber. And so part of it was like, I felt like I had information I could share and I should share. Part of it is um, I'm not really good about talking about things, but I'm really good about writing about things. Uh, so it was a way for me to process uh, and writing just let me kind of process it, get it out of my head. And you know, that's kind of where I ended up with the phrase thinking out loud. And in the first year of diagnosis, I was writing, you know, weekly. And, and then I kind of ran out of things to say. And I just didn't want to be one of those bloggers who are just saying things because they feel obligated to post. And I have so many blog posts that I've started. I, I got nothing to say here. So I just would never publish it. And, um, you know, it's coming up on 2022, so I probably should get another post out there. Right. Um, <laughs> Your annual post is, is well due. Yeah. Um, part of the reason is that I ran out of things to say. Part of it is that I've kind of gotten to a good place in my mind where I don't need the processing as much. I'd like to say part of it is because I'm doing better about talking about how I'm feeling, but now that's not really the case. Um, so it's still best for me to process it online, but I'm in an okay spot. It's been said that true cancer survivorship is both forgetting how many years out you are and then getting mad at FedEx again. Screw FedEx, damn you. Where's my package? That That's so true. I mean, I still remember the date, but I get to a point where I'm like, oh, I think that was even this year. And this year was 10 years. And I was like, 
oh, right, I was going to write something about 10 years. Did I write something about 10 years? I can't remember. See? Exactly. Yeah. One thing I like about your writing is it takes a certain mind to come from media, agency, advertising, publishing. It's a very different perspective we have on how to communicate because we come to the table with that embedded skill set. And tell me what it was like to kind of create the Unraveled podcast for Dana Farber with that perspective. It's a really well done show. It's well produced. It's well thought out. And I think it serves as another sort of exemplar of how to do it right. So uh, first off, I got to give props to Rococo Punch, who was the, the production company we worked with. And Ken Shulman, who did a, uh, you know, who did the script writing, and we worked real closely together. And he's the narrator, and we knew we had good stories. And I've been at Dana Farber for thirteen years, and been we've been producing our research magazines over the course of that time. And those always have these deep stories about the science. So we knew we had that content, and we knew that when we were looking at podcasts that we wanted to be able to tell that story and do it in a way where we could really bring the voices and bring the scientists to life and bring in, in the cases where we had patients really bring their voices out and bring the emotion, you know, particularly some of the patients like Judy Wilkins, who's in episode five, which talks about CAR T-cell therapy. And so putting it together was really just making sure that we could be true to the science and true to the discovery where we went back and talked about how the discoveries happens and how you went through discovery into clinical trials, into treatment and, and into the point where it's having an impact on patients' lives. And so we wanted to be true to that. And it really just took a lot of time to go through the stories and the research that we had and think about the ones that um, we could tell that story. I want to go into more of an ethereal category. And, you know, having been in this industry, you know, not by choice, I suppose, for 20 years, I'm continually frustrated, like put your cancer survivor hat on, but also put your media hat on. There's so much good out there to learn from, but it's too damn complicated because science has to be complicated. What is the schoolhouse rock success stories where average human beings who may not have finished college or even high school can understand things that are happening to them that they never anticipated happening to them? Can science speak human? That is a great question. Absolutely, it can speak human. We have some great writers who can do it, and we have some great scientists who do it. Where it seems to work best is when you can have a good analogy or a good metaphor, where you can talk about immunotherapy and you can talk about the soldiers of the immune system attacking cancer cells and charging the immune system. And Where it works best is where you can get away from the jargon and you can talk in plain English in metaphors and analogies so that people can really take this complicated information with words and images that they understand. So how many episodes have been published already for the Unraveled podcast? And are you seeing any like heat maps in terms of what listeners seem to be most intrigued to glom onto and listen? So the whole first season is out now, six episodes. And the CAR T cell therapy story, even though CAR T cells are among the more complex sciences involved, that seems to be the one people are glomming onto the most. There's a story about Dr. Bill Kalin and his Nobel Prize winning research around oxygen sensing. 
And that's great and it's wonderful. But I think the CAR T cell story, because it talks about a patient and it talks about this notion of turning science fiction into science fact, and because it has a patient who called herself Judy Jetson, her name was Judy Wilkins, you know, and so there's a whole lot of fun to it, which is weird to say in a cancer podcast, but there's a little bit of fun to it. And there's a lot of humanity in it because you're hearing Judy tell her story. It's fun to think about the future. Flying cars, cities in the clouds, colonies on Venus and Mars. We didn't end up living like the Jetsons. But a few of those visions did come true. I'm Ken Schulman, and this is Unraveled, a Dana-Farber Cancer Institute podcast. Judy Wilkins grew up in central Massachusetts, listening to vinyl records and watching the Jetsons on TV. She's had her own hair salon for 40 years. In May of 2013, she came down with a staph infection. It wouldn't go away. It was lymphoma. She had a slow-growing type of B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma when I first met her. That didn't require immediate therapy, and so I watched her for some time. That's Karen Jacobson. Wilkins' slow-growing lymphoma transformed into a fast-growing, aggressive form of cancer. That changed the landscape and the strategy. And that's when the roller coaster ride started. It was early 2016. There was a clinical trial underway, a trial for patients with the same lymphoma that Judy Wilkins had. What they do is manufacture my cells in petri dishes to put back into my body once they have re-energized the cells. It was just like total science fiction. Judy Wilkins, patient number 101 in the Zuma 1 study, sat in her hospital bed at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, awaiting her first CAR T-cell infusion. One of her clients at the hair salon had made her a pair of antenna to bring with her, like a character in some space-age cartoon. Kathleen McDermott, the nurse practitioner, dared Wilkins to wear the antenna when the medical team showed up. So sure enough, I put my antennas on and all these doctors walk into the room. There were probably like 17 people in the room with my doctor, Kathleen, and all my support team, but then also all the research people for CAR T-cell. So they came in the room, and they were like, what the heck? And Kathleen said, well, this is Judy Jetson. Last time I saw Cameron, I remember walking out of our examining room, and she looked back at me, and she was like, Judy Jetson, we're doing great. I was talking the other day with, with someone about how important it is to remember that you know cancer happens in the midst of life and it's not like people have the ability to say okay well let me just forget about my kids and my work and my dogs and all the other things that are going on in my life and i'll just deal with cancer now when judy talks about being able to get back to work and how important it was for her to get back to work she was a hairdresser and owns a salon you know this is a real person it's not just some anonymous patient I was giving a talk at Hackensack University Medical Center a couple of years ago, just when CAR T-cell was coming out, and there were concerns with parents about what it would mean to their children if they failed first line. And the way I was able to kind of explain what it's like to have your blood sucked out, reimagined and thrown back into you, I introduced the kids to the character Wolverine from Marvel, and I explained to them that we're turning your bones into metal. 
and your body's going to be able to heal itself once we go through this process. And awesome. I found it really disturbing that no one had ever explained it that simply to children. I know it's very simple. It's very basic. But you're talking to a seven-year-old about how to make them less scared. That just seems to be not done enough at scale to explain things at even that basic level. Do you concur? I do concur. We try and ask people to explain it to us like you're talking to your grandmother. And no offense to people who have grandmothers who are super tech and super science savvy, but anyone who's had to sort of explain to their parents how the internet works or explain to their grandparents how the internet works understands what I'm talking about. If you can't explain it at that level of understanding, then it's too complicated. All right. So the other question is, whose job is it to babble fish this down to lay speak? Because we need the doctors and the scientists to talk science to each other. But I don't know if it's fair to expect to have that unicorn human being who can do both. And whose role is it? Is it the nonprofit's role? Is it the advocate role? Is it a nurse's role? Do you see any patterns in where it's been successful for someone else to step in as that schoolhouse rock liaison? I think you're absolutely right. I want my doctors and scientists to be doctors and scientists, not communicators. Um, if they can communicate, that's fantastic. That's my role. That's the role of science writers. It's the role of, of media science writers and media health writers to be able to take that and to explain it to a lay audience. I think Unraveled is in that lane, but it might be a little bit above lay audience. It might be aiming at a slightly higher level of understanding of science, but not by much. But I think in general, that's what communicators need to do, whether you're a communicator or a nonprofit, whether you're in the media, that's the job is take the complex science that doctors and scientists are telling you and make it understandable. Yeah. If your provider has that level of <laughs> media background, it's kind of a nice to have bonus feature. But I can't imagine my current team of oncologists who are still following me to start dropping F-bombs in clinic about how pissed they are about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Even when I'm talking with my oncologist, they'll say things that I don't understand because I think they think that I've been there for so long that I have this clinical understanding. I, I'm not a scientist. And so when I'm reading and editing stories, I'm a really good audience because if I don't understand it, then I know readers aren't going to understand it. And so I think any editor who's reading and, and editing copy, whether you're editing print stories or you're editing podcasts or what have you, that's the job is to take it and make sure you understand it. And if you don't understand it, there's no way a lay audience will. All right. Final question. How often do you get Michael Bueller? All the time. Bueller, Bueller. Exactly. Anyone? So have you cursed your parents for dropping the vowel or you wish the vowel was there? No, I have not, you know, but what else would we talk about? You know? Yeah, I know. You got to start somewhere. <laughs> ben Stein for the win, really. <laughs> oh yeah. Ben Stein before he went to well, anyway, yes. Ben Stein for the win. <laughs> yeah. Ben Stein moment in time for the win. Exactly. 80s Ben Stein. Awesome. Well, Michael Knott Bueller, Senior Director of Content and Creative Services for Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, producer of the Unraveled podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. You can follow it anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just search for Unraveled podcast Dana-Farber. SUNY alum, cancer bromance buddy. I'm so thrilled to know you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Matt. It's a pleasure. That's all for now. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. 
Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patients is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs>